Hey everyone, welcome back to another week of Imani Talks Astrology. This is your host, Imani. There is no quote this week because we're just going to get into it. Um, Hopefully this episode is only 30 minutes long. That is the goal. Let's all speak that intention into actuality, into real life. Because today we're going to talk about... Jupiter and Saturn leaving Capricorn for Aquarius. Cardinal signs, we made it. Fixed signs, good riddance for people like me who have an equal amount of mutable, fixed, and cardinal energy in your chart at all types of degrees. We'll figure it out. We we will. So I want to talk a bit about, I've been waiting like a year and a half to talk about this. I've been so damn excited. And now we're here um, at this moment that I think, you know, uh, lots of people have been talking about for a number of reasons, all of which are valid, some of which are stupid. We'll kind of talk about those as well. Um, But I want to start this conversation about this really, uh, well, profound and quite honestly, life-shifting moment that is happening uh, for not just you as a person, but for the world, right? And we'll also have some fun talking about Tecumseh's curse at the end, because this is the part that I wanted to talk about a year and a half ago. And we'll just, we're, it's all for fun. It's going to be for fun. It's not predictive for those who already know what I'm talking about, for the FBI agent that's listening to this. It's just to talk about the things that we've been seeing. And that's all. Interestingly enough, I'm also going to talk about something else related to that that I've actually just clicked in my mind and seems to be rather interesting to me. Let me just write my notes. So, let's start by talking about the past. So, Jupiter and you know, Saturn have been in the sign of Capricorn. Saturn has been um, in Capricorn since December uh, of 2017. I remember how it felt to have Saturn um, on my son uh, or square my son. And it was the most deeply uncomfortable thing I've experienced um, in my life that I can recall so far, astrologically speaking, right? And Jupiter was in Capricorn from, I believe, because it starts the previous season, I think maybe the first week of December in 2019. So when I think about Jupiter in Capricorn in particular, I've really talked about it in relation to you know, how our justice system and how our uh, 
laws and our cultural frameworks, right? We're talking about cultural cosmology because it's Sagittarius season, have been used to maintain the status quo. I think there also is another, um, I think, relationship that Jupiter and Capricorn has to like material, the material world, material goods, um, finance, not necessarily finances, but kind of like capital and larger systems of, uh, I guess, money exchange in relation to economies. And I think, you know, if we think about what an economy means, even on a, um, you know, we can think about that at micro macro scales, right? But like a small town has an economy, a community has an economy, you know, Um, an institution can have its own internal like economic system, right? And so uh, that's the one of the main things that I've kind of thought about, interestingly enough, today, which I feel like is something that's very, um, how do I name it? Very solar eclipse in Sagittarius as we think about Sagittarius and Jupiter in relation to higher education. Um, the Supreme Court was hearing a case around whether um, uh, college athletes should be getting paid and the, the plaintiffs on the side of the college athletes specifically the and through the NCAA um, are arguing that the refusal to play college pay college athletes is a violation of antitrust laws eh? so I think one of the interesting things about Jupiter and Capricorn when we see don't see like this outright um, bypassing of legality we can see how the legal system um, and the uh, laws that have been put in place to protect larger systems can come back to bite people in the butt, right? If they don't even read their own fine print, right? And I think this is something that we've seen in a number of ways during this transit is how even within the way that law is written around the status quo, it makes it very easy for us to see um, the, I guess, hypocrisy, um, or loopholes that exist within systems. And I think, I believe Jupiter, not to offend any Sagittarius people, um, or Piscean folks, Jupiterians in general, but one of the things, because Jupiter rules dogma, um, and because of the nature of Sagittarius, um, it, it is, there is this element of hypocrisy, um, that we see. So we've also been able to name the hypocrisy of systems, right? In which we're seeing the exploitation of labor of people, right? Which is what I kind of think about when I think about earth signs in general is the, the parts, you know, earth is about, is, is, is a feminine, is in the feminine polarity. And I think while we have a deeply rooted, um, issues with paternalism, 
and, you know, patriarchy within our society, I find that, and this is something that I believe um, Elmina Bell of Malima Alchemy has spoken about um, during Virgo season. She had, I think, a new moon event um, in which she talked about the earth element. Earth is the masculine of the feminine. And so it is a, um, unlike you know, emotion, um, and what people feel, you know, within the context of this conversation is earth resources, physical things, labor, work are all parts of the feminine that can be exploited, right? Someone, um, uh, let me find this. On um, Decolonize on Conference today, um, they they had a post talking about dismantling patriarchy means reimagining masculinity under matriarchy. And there was this additional post around land being assigned a gender and has been given a female form to justify colonial control and abuse. Right. So the way that we talk about land being fertile, beautiful, passive, virgin, you know, all of those these words. And Lee Maracle is a, a indigenous activist who actually has a talk about this as well um, in terms of the connection between the way that we treat resources and land um, and how that mimics and mirrors patriarchy, right? And, and in this post, um, it, the original author of, of this tweet, um, Kahara Jabola, talks about environmentalists you know, not may not know it, but they're actually fighting patriarchy, right? So like, what does that have to do with what I'm saying, right? You know, there also is this discussion, which feels very like 29 degrees, the anoretic degree of Capricorn, um, uh, Saturn and Capricorn conversation to me around like, what is labor? What is considered labor? Um, and what type of things can be exploited and what happens when, you know, people who were within that group of the types of labor that has been exploited, um, no longer, uh, want to exist within a framework that exploits them and can utilize the hypocrisy of the system to be able to, uh, monetize, um, the labor that they produce, sex workers, people who do occult work. We could even add college athletes to this conversation as well, right? Um, we have on this day in which, you know, the sun is in this um, separating um, conjunction uh, between Mars, right? And this is happening in this eclipse window in which these revelations and these new things are coming forth around, you know, our higher education system. And again, the hypocrisy, right? I think to speak about the hypocrisy, like, let's just like, keep in mind, like, there's entire like, football seasons happening right now. Like there's entire like, sports (laughs) events with thousands of people in stadiums happening right now in the middle of a global pandemic, right? And I think the the biggest point with the Jupiter in Capricorn hypocrisy is coming into this, uh, this awareness that 
everything, you know, we, I, when lots of astrologers, including myself, would agree that this Jupiter-Pluto conjunction that we've experienced, as well as Saturn and Aquarius um, at the beginning of the year, remember Saturn was in Aquarius for about three months, have all, has all been rated, related to, to COVID-19. Um, and the way that capitalism is eating itself alive in real time uh, at the expense of people, at the expense of small businesses, exploiting the labor of people. It literally is just the core of how, you know, with this income inequality gap that is increasing and it's just demonstrating how fragile systems are, but also how what dangerous things these systems and institutions are willing to do to make sure that they continue to exist despite the fact that they are not sustainable, right? So that's what this last year has really been about and I think are some of the most defining moments of Jupiter and Capricorn, to me at least, has been this realization of like, wow, you know, we, we all know like this system will stop at nothing, right? To continue to exist, right? And one of the things that I talked about during the Jupiter-Pluto conjunction series that I had did um, was, you know, the, the, the painting by Goya of like Saturn eating his children, right? And like Saturn's father, Uranus, Kronos, um, put a pin in that, um, ate his children, right? And Saturn tried to, you know, distinguish himself from his father as different, right? Kronos being the universe, right? Uranus being the universe and, and Saturn being the product of the universe, right? What we then find is that he meets this same fate, right, of eating his children Uh, as well. And so, you know, in this time in which we think that we're, you know, forward thinking, we're different, we're not primitive, we're not this, you know what I mean? Like we absolutely exist within this state in which it is this, I guess, kind of like, uh, uh, Well, I mean, there's this willingness to literally kill all of us in the name of material things and the name of things that have been assigned value, right? That don't even have an actual value, you know, when it comes to like paper money, right? Like it's not real. (laughs) Fiat money is assigned value. (laughs) And and even to, to maintain a sense of like power, right? And, and this very white-centric, very colonial-centric way of orienting towards the world, right? And to me, that is the biggest takeaway. Now, what's happening with Saturn? I'm not going to say anything that I haven't said before. I'm actually just going to go ahead and read what I posted in my Instagram story. Um, you know, I, I talked about, you know, who feels like they're time traveling back to December 2017. Um, There is this sense of finality um, that we feel um, 
in at the 29 degree at the anoretic degree of 29 right it is intense because it is you know steve judd the, the astrologer argues that it is the most um uh embodies the most of the sign is the zero is the first or zero degrees and 29 degrees of a sign in a sense it holds all the the potential energy and and the story um that the planet has taken through that particular 30 degree chunk of the zodiacal wheel right so it is the most capricorn of the capricorn <laughs> of of the degrees right and so like i i describe this time traveling to to people i had individual conversations with as like not like literally going back in time and being there but like i thought of the book kindred this is gonna sound crazy right so the book kindred right and you know how the main character goes back to um, the time of one of their enslaved ancestors and has to kind of watch from the periphery because if they intervene in what's happening, you know, they are going to stop themselves from existing, right? And so it's like being able to sit on the periphery of all of the decisions that you've made now that you're aware of the consequences, right? Like you can look at that moment and be like, oh my gosh, like here was this thing that I was missing. Here's this assumption that I had. Here's what, you know, I thought I was doing. Here's what I thought the career decision I was making. This is the family decision that I thought I was making at this time. This was a particular commitment that I was making at this time, right? And like now in hindsight, being able to experience the unraveling of the consequences of said decisions that you made at that time, right? And being able to see like, ah, I see why you did that. And I know why, you know, I I shouldn't have done that. But like also now I'm a completely different person. I've matured, I've grown these Saturnian words, right? In which I can see like, no, I can't do that ever again, right? We have to, to, you know, put it in perspective that was the first no I'm wrong never mind I'm not going to say that because it's not true um the what I wrote was you know Saturn is a malefic planet and malefic planets create through destruction and so the the reflection questions for yourself are like how has Saturn deteriorated structures familial patterns and fears that are in the way of your heart's truest desires how have you clung tighter to your greatest fears what are the consequences of letting the urgency of fear hide you from the blessing that is process you know it depends on like where this has been in your chart right this was to my venus so it's like your fear of your value your fear of being alone, your fear of disappointing your family, right? I think at the end of the day, when I think about Saturn, um, because it's connection to family, Saturn and Capricorn in particularly, and we've talked about this before, right? Saturn and Capricorn isn't necessarily like keeping up with the rat race in the sense of like, yo, I'm trying to be, you know, Warren Buffett, you know, um, or, you know, whoever it may be it it lots of times is like the stories about success 
that exist within our family, right? And the stories about consequences and the fears that we've inherited through, you know, I talk about Capricorn and Saturn as like our physical inheritance. So like, what are the, the material conditions that we have inherited because of our family, you know, because of that origin story and that culture cosmology that exists, right? For those who have done like the origin story spread, right? And it's so much about Jupiter, but it also is so much about Saturn. We can see how those two planets have been intertwined over this last year. And and so I think one of the things is like being confronted head on with some of our, our deepest fears, or even fears that don't belong to us, um, at least on a conscious level. And I think what Saturn allows us to do is like navigate process, right? I think, you know, we think about Saturn, we think about capitalism, but like in capitalism, there is no process, right? Which is why generally speaking, the way that we consciously utilize um, and embody the Saturnian energy as a collective is through, you know, depression, whether it be economic or otherwise, um, is through um, lack is through delay, is through scarcity, is through um, fear and limitation, right? And I think one of the things that we've had to come into an awareness of, for me at least with Saturn, is like no, uh, which is a, a malefic word within itself, is sometimes not right now. And, and Saturn puts in perspective, like, why not now, right? And, you know, you think about, like, asking, like, a parent, like, well, why can't I have blah, blah, blah? Or, like, why can't I stay up all night and eat all the candy, right? Saturn, very simple. Consequences. Your teeth will fall out. <laughs> you need rest. You need, you know, all of these these small kind of things and pieces of material life that I think we often um take for granted these things that hold up you know the the structures within our lives that allow us to continue to move towards um these larger kind of goals and and outcomes and when i say goals i don't say that in some like weird you know like what are your career goals sense but like you know like just being able to survive and exist right being able to to one day have a family, being able to make it onto the other side of this freaking pandemic, right? Like, it's it's stuff like that, you know, and, and you know, being able to, to have a, a partnership that brings us joy, being able to experience, you know, um, abundance in, in whatever way that that means something to you, right? Um, those are all goals, happiness, right? And so Saturn puts in perspective for us, like, process here is the process for these things that you ask for and when you bypass particular steps these are the things that happen to us and not in some like you know punitive punishment kind of way but because that is just the nature of life you know Saturn is about reality so that's the the time period that we're lead that we're wrapping up and that we're leaving to kind of talk about it a little more so i know people are like oh december 21st all the black people's superpowers are going to be 
activated, which is the funniest thing ever to me. It's also just deeply untrue. I'm sorry if you thought some sort of superpowers were going to activate for you on the 21st um, or that this is this, you know, I'll say this and I feel like this, what I'm about to say will have mixed reviews and I'm okay with that. Lots of people have been like, oh, this this next period of time, the next 240 years, like people of color are coming back into power and like, you know, other things like that. And what I'd like to put in perspective, if we look at the subtext of things or even the context of things, um, you know, sure, sure, I can see that. But if we think about what time is it on the clock of the world, right, to quote Grace Lee Boggs, we're moving towards one of the most, and I'm not saying this in terms of what's happening in the next 20 years, I'm literally talking about what's unfolding over the next hundreds of years, right? Let's just put that in perspective. A time in which humanity is able to be unified in a way that it has not been since it was like, you know, first evolved into being humanity, right? So we're moving in this time beyond the barriers and limitations that we have placed in between one another. So of course, naturally speaking, that does not coincide with there being any one particular group of people that has some sort of dominance over the other. I would argue that it is a time in which we are collectively being called to embrace ways of life that allow us to live in right relationship with one another, which are overwhelmingly created um, and embodied by black, brown and indigenous people, right? But there's a a very big difference between those two things that I just mentioned, right? Because this is something that we're all collectively being called to embrace, right? Lots of people talk about the death of white supremacy, which I think, given what I just said, would absolutely make sense. But we have to understand that if white supremacy ceases to exist, the ways that we separate one another um, in some shape or form um, will also cease to exist as well. Now, do I know what that will look like? No, I don't live in the future, right? Um, I think it's important to mention that I do believe that there are black people in the future. I do think that there are, um, I mean, I don't know about the rest of y'all, but I know we gonna be here. I'm joking. Um, you know, any, again, but what social context and, and constructs exist around the way that we compartmentalize each other now, will those exist hundreds of years from now? Probably not, right? But will the people who come from our experiences and our particular cultural cosmologies and those that have emerged and transformed from those be able to exist? Yes. I think that's a really interesting, as we kind of segue into talking about this new age that we're, we're entering, it's interesting to think about. Um, and I would encourage you to if you haven't thought about that before to like ponder like, well, like what does the world look like if these things do not exist? And it doesn't have to be right. It can just be an ideal. Um, and that can be okay. Fun thought experiment. If, if, 
you end up doing so, I'd, I'd encourage you to send me an email or a DM or something like that. Um, I think this cultivating an imaginative practice, imaginative practice is going to be something that's going to be incredibly important given what I'm about to say, um, soon. So, you know, lots of people speculate like, oh, is this, you know, the age of Aquarius or, you know, what is, what is it that, you know, we're moving into? And, you know, if we're thinking about astrological ages and like the, you know, procession of time and, and stuff like that, the age of Aquarius is literally hundreds of years away. Um, but we are moving into this time of like what's called the age of air. And I will put into perspective what that means. We're also news, moving into a new um, dar, dower, dower, D-A-W-R. I don't know how to pronounce it, but I've read about it and we're going to talk about it. So what is the age of air? So one of the large shifts that's happening right now is of course the great conjunction which will be on uh, December 21st which is also the day of the solstice I think this is really important for a number of reasons that I'll touch on once I specifically talk about that but the great conjunctions are related to these shifts in triplicity what is a triplicity it is groups of three right there are many different ways to divide um, the astrological signs. A triplicity is when we divide by element, right? Because there are three of each sign in each element. So for the next 240 years, all of the great conjunctions that we are going to experience are going to be in the element of air. We're also experiencing another age shift. And I don't know, I haven't seen a lot of astrologers talk about this. I also haven't looked because I typically like to just do my thing and then read what other people have to say. Um, but their uh, Persian astrologer Abu Mashar um, calculates three 360 year cycles um, in which he looked at them to mark these great cultural kind of shifts. And they're always associated with a sign and a planet. The one that we're leaving um, is a Saturn Virgo age. Um, that has existed since 1660. Um, and it is noted that these are connected to the scientific and industrial revolutions. So when I think about Saturn, I think about societal structures. I was thinking about Saturn and Virgo, I think about the way that we fix societal structures. When I look at Virgo, though, and I look at the way that the archetype is utilized collectively, you know I've talked about perfectionism in white supremacy culture in the way that we've talked about Virgo previously, right? And so it is this kind of like ivory tower, this like pinnacle of like what it means to be human, right? That's been looked at to, uh, that we've seen kind of shaped and molded through throughout the world. Um, this is during the, I believe, enlightenment period and lots of the formative ideologies that have formed well, our country um, and the the revolutions that we've seen around the world have been the product of this this new quote unquote way of organizing Virgo word um, societies and organizing um, systems and government, right? And so when I 
talk about ivory tower like of course it's like this way that um all of these i you know how do i want to say this you know there's like the way you we're like if you do it like this this is how you'll do it right and we look at all of these rigid saturn word um boxes that have been created around like what it means to be successful what it means to be intelligent what it means to have a forward thinking moving society right and so like in this there's like these movements against like primitive i put quotation marks around that living this is a time after the age of exploration and after colonialism has kind of like taken its hold on um the eastern uh the eastern world and what would then be the new world right as we look at like turtle island south america um east asia the sub indian subcontinent right this is these are all of the things after that right and so all of these things centered around the exploitation of resources and transforming our relationship to resources and i think also when we think about the scientific revolutions and the industrial revolutions it is about um reshaping the structures that like govern everyday life right when you think about all of the technology and i use technology the word technology in the most expansive way possible right a plate is technology forks and knives are freaking technology right but also so is an iphone so is a drawer so is a television so is a car so is a the assembly line right um vaccine hoo-hoo don't get <laughs> vaccines are a form of technology right like all of these things have been used to be like okay look we have at this point a lot more people living in proximity to each other we have divided and created these ways of organizing groups of people through nationhood right this is something that is relatively new in the grand scheme of like how long you know the the world has existed um in you know nations are a lot bigger than they were like let's say at the time of like ancient greece right as opposed to times where there were just like empires or small nation states that existed with each other um or even if we're looking at the indigenous world confederations um and other grouping ways of grouping um people together but let's not kind of get lost in that rabbit hole right so you know the all of this technology is centered around how we change and adjust you know the way that we live and exist think about how radically different the world looks since most of us were born right i can imagine most people who listen to this podcast were born in the 90s or the 80s right and so like just the the grand trajectory of the way that things have just shifted and changed in our material world in relation to how we navigate the day-to-day and how that day-to-day serves the function of of society right so now we're moving into this time and again i think about earth i think about all of those things that we talked about we think about the order of signs right it always goes fire earth air earth is stabilizing 
earth is grounding. It is real. It is pragmatic. It is something that we can wrap our heads around. It's something that we can touch. It is something that we can feel. Moving into an era of age is less about the physicality of things and more so about the social aspect of things, which I think is going to be incredibly revolutionary for the way that we move towards life. Going back to what I was saying earlier about how basically our our government is willing to like let us die for the sake of, you know, Amazon and football and, you know, rich people's yacht money, you know, that is centered around the material world. And now we're moving into a time in which it's about the social implications of things, right? When we're talking about like, where are the people who are forward thinking and thinking about the future and thinking about future generations and like our future of us being on this earth? That time and that moment is now. But I think for us to minimize that to something in which we're like, this one day is gonna feel really, really good If you look at just like the last month, (laughs) just look at the last month, just look at the last month and two weeks, look at everything that has unfolded. You know, I'll even expand that timeline out into October. Let's just think about this last quarter of this year from Libra season until now, right? We can even just look at 20, whatever way you want to divide that. Lots of people, again, who listen to this podcast are liberation-centered, social justice-focused in some way or another. And the growing pains that we have experienced just by introducing new ideas, the, you know, the thing about earth, especially in this time of earth, is that it can be incredibly rigid and stubborn and it doesn't want to change right and like there is this sense of like holding on when i think about saturn and this virgo age that we're in holding on to this like ivory tower like no the past this is what worked this is what worked this is what worked and it's like no this has never worked for anyone we've just been pretending like it has right or it's helped some people and it's just like, you know, enslaved and, and killed and, you know, eradicated and exploited. Just basically, you know, I don't know, 85% of the people who actually exist on this earth. And I feel, well, no, let's actually make it about 99%, right? Because we're fooling ourselves if we think that <laughs> everyone who isn't basically a billionaire is being screwed over um it's it's that right we've been experiencing this time in which people want to hold on very tightly to the past you know to make an example of our election more people than ever before have voted in this last election and 70 million of those people voted for donald trump right? And regardless of your political ideology, because I don't, I can't imagine that there, well, no, that's not true. I know that there's variance in it, but you know, it, it, that just doesn't make sense, right? We saw the reality, 
you know, of someone who literally embodies everything wrong with the way that we have existed, at least in the United States, right? And I can imagine if you're in another country, like the UK, um, or Australia, or wherever, you also have this, you know, in lots of places in the country, there are all of these far right, (laughs) traditional, um, read as antiquated, thinking, draconian, um, backwards, <laughs> caught in the past, uh, thinkers who are taking power uh, across the globe, right? And I think that scares people as it should, but like also it's representative of like, you know, I talk about healing, you know, and people, you know, you're, we're all spiritual people here. When we talk about healing, you know, we talk about how ugly the process is. And it seems like lots of times we don't realize that that applies collectively as well. Like, what does it truly take to heal white supremacy? What does it truly take to heal colonialism? What does it truly take to eradicate capitalism? Like, to for it to, like, literally never exist ever again, Right. It takes a lot. And we think about our own personal healing journeys, right? Think about Saturn and think about process, right? The the process is not just this linear forward motion. There are times where we falter. There are times where we completely choose in the opposite direction of exactly what it is that we want for ourselves because it's hard to grow and it's hard to mature and it's hard to examine and be and exist in reality, right? Most of us are pretty clear about the reality of the world and that's not a very comfortable place to be in, right? And so like we're we're at this window of time in which we're on the birth of a new way of existing not just for us in the United States but across the globe, right? And nothing about that is going to be comfortable. It's just not. You know? Jupiter rules expansion and Saturn is about contraction, right? So it literally, you think about the, you know, someone giving birth, you know, one of the first things that they, they start to track is the contractions, right? And, and counting the timing between the contractions, and then there becomes the time to expand, you know, the the uterus and the, the vagina to be able to push out this thing, you know. I, I don't think anyone has ever described childbirth as being this blissful, happy experience where they feel like they have superpowers, right? Um, maybe in the sense of like being able to to literally be a canal to bring a freaking spirit into a physical body and then push it out into the physical world. Like that is a a superpower, right? Um, In that sense. But like, it's, it's a moment of extreme vulnerability and discomfort that, you know, most people would probably not wish upon anyone, right? But, but it is the blessing of once that thing has arrived and it, it takes time, um, to, to navigate the healing process after birthing something in addition to also fostering and nurturing the growth of said thing, 
right? I, I give this weird analogy to put in perspective, you know, again, when it comes to managing expectations of what to think about um, on December 21st. As I was saying, you know, December 21st is also the day of our solstice. It's going to be the first day of Capricorn season. And so the solstice, um, shout out to my friend Sanam, who's Persian and celebrates Yalda, um, which is about the birth of the light, right? And we think about this time of years, we have so many festivals and celebrations and holy days that are centered around light bringing, right? Christmas is about light, right? Um, and Hanukkah is about light. But we have to remember that the winter and the solstice is literally the initiation into, it's the darkest day of the year, right? This great conjunction is happening on the darkest day of the year. It's not going to feel comfortable. It's, it's the birthing pains that we're experiencing of, of, you know, symbolically on many levels, birthing this new form of consciousness that is going to radically shift and transform the way that we relate to one another. We're moving into this Jupiter Libra age, which is going to last until two, uh, 2380, right? So far beyond and any of the people listening to this podcast will still be around. And when I think about Jupiter, I think about culture. I think about cultural exchange. I think about our legal system. I think about justice. I think about expansion, right? And I think about cultural cosmology. So in this sense, I feel like there is a, a new way that, again, we're orienting towards existing with one another and how we're going to be culturally expanding as a global community, right? I think it can be very easy to get caught up and centered in like us living and existing like in the United States or, or wherever it is that you are. But I think especially as we're moving into things and we're thinking about like climate crisis and like living in one of the biggest the countries of some of the biggest military bullies on this earth, right? And like the the global landscape is shifting very rapidly, right? Think about what's happening in China and think about how shook <laughs> the United States is, right? It the the global landscape is shifting very 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 quickly especially as we're moving towards Pluto and Aquarius, right? And so I think because of that, we're going to see large shifts, you know, immediately within this decade um, around how power is dispersed. You know, I think this is kind of revolutionizing what education means as well. Um, the Libra piece of things, it talks, makes me think about sharing, right? One of the things that I talk about often that we'll talk more about when we talk about the astrology of 2021, and we kind of talked about in the last episode, is like we live in this convergence of people who have lots of different cultural cosmologies, right? And we live in this moment in which so many people who have survived apocalypse are living together, right? That's not necessarily something and, and forced in a sense to live, to work to, 
be in right relationship with one another, right? And live and experience things diplomatically. We have, of course, seen how that's worked out so far, right? (laughs) Not the best, but we're trying. We're trying. And so it's because of that, you know, there is this opportunity for cultural exchange and sharing and relationship building and centering relationship as the um, conduit for which we will um, expand our horizons collectively, how we will transform and elevate ourselves culturally and be able to seek and find greater harmony and balance um, across the globe, you know? Going back to the Libra season episode where we talked about love and justice, right? Where like that is the the core embodiment of what it means to be human and how we are able to embody the love uh, and power uh, of the creator in our lived experience today. And so like, what does it take for us to do that? Like, what does it take for us to move towards an age that's not... Um, centered around war over power and material goods but is centered around peace for understanding and relationship building and while that sounds very hippy dippy to be quite honest this is quite just where I see the world going you know this is what we're healing to kind of get into what I'm thinking about when I talk about Jupiter and Aquarius there is well the last time Jupiter was in Aquarius was January 5th 2009 to January 17th, 2010. And this was the first year of Obama's presidency, right? And so again, regardless of how you feel politically or whatever, um, the, or even the legitimacy that you feel that this government has, because I also know there are a lot of people who listen who question that as well. And, you know, I, of course, am also one of those people. But I, in terms of keeping a perspective that is above, not above in the sense of better, but like <laughs> an omniscient view, right, of, of everything in the, the grand scheme of like time, right? And in the grand scheme of like how we have been relating to each other collectively, Having a black person lead a country, you know, is outside of like Africa <laughs> in the Western world is a pretty big deal. And it was, right? And I think the thing about Jupiter and Aquarius is is it shows us this opportunity to embrace uh, praxis, speculation, and visioning right and and humanness and expand what it means right it's like okay cool like if we believe people are people what are we is it that we're doing to embody that right you know having someone who quite frankly within less than the last 100 years and even for the most part today is still considered subhuman to be what we call the leader of the free world is I'm not going to use this word because I don't want to be psychically attacked by somebody who's offended by it. But it is very different 
right? And it is very forward moving, even though it may not necessarily be the end all be all. Again, Saturn and process, right? Saturn and process. These greater hopes and dreams that we have of liberation. There are all of these small steps and possibilities in between that lead to the the uh, the existence of these long-term visions that we hold, right? I am someone who is a very strong believer and we need people who are moving beyond what we see as possible, who are willing to say and fight for the things that make people deeply uncomfortable, not because it's, you know, popular, but because that's what we need to move the dial and because what we actually need to embrace revolutionary ideas. I also am someone who believes that there are people who exist within systems that are also anchors and people who move forward, right? These ideals that are being formed on the periphery of society that are ultimately the things that are moving and pulling and anchoring us towards things far beyond what we can envision, right? So it's like, what are we building, right? As the thing is falling apart, who is there to help us survive as things are falling apart, right? And then who are the people that are on the in-between, right? Both of those axes. So some of the things that I'm thinking about um, with Jupiter and Aquarius over this next year is a lot of, uh, I'm thinking more so about the ownership of ideas, theories, and technology. I think there will be lots of legal battles related to tech and how we have access to personal information. Um, because Aquarius has its relationship to like brotherhood and community, I'm also thinking a bit about, um, quite honestly, the future of things like sororities and fraternities. I don't know why I feel called to say that, but I'm just putting it out there. And I also am thinking about human rights law. Um, and again, things related to like, um, Hmm. What is the word? The, oh, the climate. Yes. <laughs> so like environmentalism, right? So these things that are about unifying overall large scale things that impact people across countries and across the globe, right? So like we'll also see what things happen with the internet um, and some of the ways that technology leaps and grows and expands. Um, and I think, especially when we're thinking about Jupiter and exploration, what are some of the things that are happening in space, Aquarius, aliens being out of this world, um, are what I'm thinking about. Um, overall, in terms of how we are personally using this, I think it's expanding um, our capacity to have hope and faith, right? And one of the things that I, I, you know, think about, and I'll, I'll talk about this in a second, 
after I talk about Saturn and Aquarius. So like, again, radical ideas are formed on the fringes of society. So I think lots of really unpopular opinions <laughs> and like unpopular ideologies are going to be things that are spearheaded and thought of I think especially within our government especially since you know we think about just like with the house of represent just with our congress alone right and oh even with our presidency because I don't know how long Joe gonna be around but I'm gonna let you fill in the blank with what you think I meant by that because I'm they're not about to ping me or whatever it is they're gonna do you know the the way that our government looks and I think this is something that Joe Biden kind of spoke about and saying like I want our my cabinet to look like the United States right now whether that means something to you or not that's fine whatever right but again the idea of like if we're talking about humanity is something that's reflective of humanity actually being representative and being put forth right if we're thinking about humanity how is our idea of like what makes people human expanding right so even with that i think we might also see um some this might scare some people like biotech and other ways to integrate technology into like the human form um might be some of the things that we see with jupiter in aquarius um Saturn and Aquarius, I think, I'm just going to give like a little tidbit about this. Um, What I wrote is that we're being asked, right, on the 17th, which is today, when you're listening to this episode, are you ready to embrace the discipline and practice of hope? Um, I was reading Shamanic Astrology. And Aquarius um, and what they were saying about Aquarius and it's the quest for detachment and cosmic overview for visionary eccentricity, idiosyncratic, avant-gardism for cosmic consciousness. That's a mouthful, right? But it's like what ways can beyond like what we feel right this is (laughs) very Aquarian to be like um this isn't about your feelings this is about everyone and everything right so like how out of pocket and like how far-fetched can we be with the things that we believe in with the things that we build right so and I think a part of that you know because it confused me because you know Aquarians have this reputation for being very cold But like there is this, I don't like the word detachment because I feel like detachment can be unhealthy. I prefer the phrase non-attachment, which is the choice, right? To understand and completely see something and choose not to be emotionally invested in it. Not that you're not emotional, but that you are not attached to that thing and you're not letting it impact your decision making and the ideas that you have right um and so how you know and I'm like how is that idealism but it's like if if we're supposed to be forward thinking and we're supposed to be future focused 
that does require, and especially if we're talking about like these radical ideas and these things that are quote unquote unpopular opinions. It's really funny. I was watching um, D'Angelo Wallace. He's so great. He's a Virgo um, on YouTube. And he was did like a 10 minute video, like reading unpopular opinions in the comment section. And someone's unpopular opinion was like, well, like, all of the unpopular opinions should be the one with the least likes because they're unpopular. Like if a bunch of people are liking something and claiming it's an unpopular opinion, it's probably not an unpopular opinion, which is really funny to me. But like, yes, exactly. Right. And so like a part of having unpopular opinions or even just being able to be future focused and future centric is not necessarily about reality, right? At all. But it is about faith and it is about hope, right? Because you're putting forth this idea of like building this thing that no one has been able to see and is radically different than what exists now. And so it is really important to have and build a reserve and a practice with faith and hope and be able to not only embrace, but to embody the reality that there is a right time for everything. But holding that vision, holding that hope, holding that ideal, is what is going to allow it to not just be the future, but for it to be the present, right? So the next three years is our practice. We're building temporalities of the future, right? Where we're seeing if this is the world that we want to create, how are we building a practice and a discipline of hope and faith, right? And not just in thought, but in reality that can actualize the things that we imagine, right? I think what we need to understand and accept is a lot of the ideas that we share with one another, whether it be, you know, police and prison abolition, um, land back, all of these really um, radical and truly liberating ideologies. They're are going to shape the world, right? And the way that the world looks. But not all of the things that shape the way the world looks are going to come from people who agree with that, right? Again, we think about all of the people that are being uh, radicalized um, by Donald Trump, by, you know, people are being radicalized in both directions. Right. And, and so we have to understand that all of that is going to put into perspective and be a part of the larger framework that does create and build our world. Right. But of course, what we're going to continue to do is hold the vision that the world that we are creating will be one in which we all are free. Right. The road that it takes to get there might be really fucked up. It's probably going to be very fucked up. Right. But it's going to be but it's going to happen. I think one of the other things that we'll see with Jupiter in Aquarius, I'm kind of bouncing back and forth, um, is 
I talked about this about ownership of ideas, but like originality, right? And like what culturally is is original, right? I think we're in this time in which people keep recreating. We're in this season of like people rebooting all of these different series and stuff like that has truly been the most annoying, god-awful thing ever. It's like, no, I actually don't want to watch Saved by the Bell. And anyone who does, please just delete this podcast. Just delete it. Just delete it. Just please. Because why? 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 Anyway, we don't need to reboot everything. What is what is new? Can we make new things? So I think this opportunity to see newness <laughs> being created, um, especially if we think about the time that we're in, because, you know, COVID-19 has completely changed our lives is it's created uh, a time that's also ripe of again newness right I think one of the really cool things that I saw I think Bella Hadid had did um, a photo shoot for Vogue from her house she had took her pictures and it was just very interesting to see how the world like adjusts and shifts and changes to like this post-apocalyptic time to find ways to create joy, right? And ways to create and live within this really weird influx trend, like transition phase that we're like collectively experiencing together as we're like birthing something new, right? We're birthing hope and faith, right? I feel like in my just the last week it's it's been deeply difficult you know my name literally means faith to to hold faith and hope and I think especially in this 29 degrees of Capricorn shit it's like fast forwarding through everything that's wrong with the world um and I think that that can be very overwhelming um and scary and and big to take on but it's like Saturn is Aquarius is like okay yeah that that is real but like what are we gonna do like how are we gonna make sure everyone's sovereign how are we gonna make sure that like people are treated the way that they deserve to be treated like yes this sucks right now but like what about the future do we want the future to suck too what is it that we're gonna do right now let's talk about to come say's curse so, of course, if we know the numbers, we know this great conjunction is a really big deal because I believe it's like the first time in like since 1632 that it's going to be visible um, in the sky or has occurred in this way. So it is a monumental shift and change um vero of um ancestors and training actually posted some really dope questions she said where were your ancestors in 1623 not 32 23 when the last great conjunction of this kind landed what do you want your descendants to know about where you are in 2020 the last time Jupiter and Saturn were as close as they'll be on December 21st, 2020 was 1623. 
the last time the great conjunction was visible in the sky was 1226. So this is amazing, right? Again, going back to like this idea of like the birth of the light, right? And like the what it takes to to nurture and expand the light through the darkness so that it can be visible, physically visible within the springtime, right? And I think it's really important to know, right? We're in the Kali Yuga, right? We're in the dark ages right now. So like this is something that we're birthing that has arrived, right? It's really interesting when you think about um, like the Big Bang, right? Since we're talking about like cosmology, right? It's like there was nothing until like this one day where there was like everything, right? And like this darkness, this fecund darkness was just holding all of the spectrum for potentiality until one day it is birthed. Oh, whoa. And we're like approaching that moment for like our collective for like, you know, it's so awesome. <laughs> being annoying anyway um but yeah so like that's what's happening you know and so to talk about this in the context of the united states i've been telling y'all i've been waiting since that leo mercury retrograde back in 2019 to talk about this because it's interesting to me um but to come say's curse right so to come say was a shawnee chief who was in the Battle of Tippecanoe with then governor of Indian Territory, um, William Henry Harrison, right? And so I believe um, Tecumseh, uh, fought in opposition um, to William Henry Harrison by fighting with the British in the War of 1812. Um, Because, of course, he was like, you settlers need to get out of my house. Like, you need to leave this land because, like, it does not belong to you. Indian territory, boo, like, it's the whole continent. It's the whole continent that belongs to us. Like, why are you, why are you even here? Like, you're not even a legitimate governor. You're just like some, you know, rejects from the freaking, anyway, we can, I'm not going to be shady. We already know. We already know who we are, United States. Anyway, so he ends up dying. And the curse or what, you know, some people refer to as coincidence is that after William Henry Harrison came into um, contact with um, Tecumseh, that he was cursed, right, for fighting, you know, against indigenous people, against like their sovereignty and their ability to like, I don't know live where they've lived for like thousands, if not tens of, you know, that's 
thousands of years, right? So what happens is in every zero year after their encounter with one another, a president of the United States died. And it tracks, it tracks. The theory she tracks, the curse she tracks, right? William Henry Harrison, of course, being the first one to die, right? Every president elected in a zero year. Do you hear me? I'm gonna say it one more time. Every president elected in a zero year, starting with William Henry Harrison in 1841, and he died of pneumonia. The most recent president to escape the curse, I'm sorry, to fall victim to this curse was Kennedy. And yes, Lincoln was also another one. Lincoln was killed in 1860. Kennedy was killed 100 years later. He was elected in 1960. Ronald Reagan, who was elected in 1980 escaped the curse he there was an assassination attempt against ronald reagan i'm going to withhold my opinion about that um in 1981 and this was said to have like broke the curse but like one of the things that i find interesting in my um very intense astrological research that I have completed. Ironically, it's really funny because Ronald Reagan used an astrologer, right? So he probably knew you should have been known, right? That you watch out for that great conjunction. So like in 1981 um, is when we experienced this movement um, or this shift from the Hold on. From the age of Earth, because while since uh, what year was it? I need to get my years right. I need to get my years right. Since 1802, right? We had been experiencing these great conjunctions in earth and there was a mutation that's what they called it in which there was this random year 1980 1981 in which there was a air great conjunction in the middle of all of these earth great conjunctions right so this mutation quote unquote right that also just happens to be the year i'm not making any conclusions about this in which reagan avoided death right or assassination whatever y'all want to call it there also was an assassination attempt against uh george w bush as well and he also survived clearly because he's still around um, and yeah, that's to come say curse, right? So this is why we say, you know, it's good for the world, right? But it kind of sucks for American presidents. We gonna see what happens. Again, this is something that happens to the person that is elected 
in the zero year. I'm going to leave it like that. You draw the, I, I'm just sharing astrological information. We are not jumping to any conclusions about anything. Wink, wink. We are just saying that these are things that have happened that I find interest, you know, interesting because they are coincidence. Let's close this out by saying, this Saturday, I am doing a talk about Saturn in Aquarius. You're probably like, Imani, why didn't you spend a lot of time talking about Saturn in Aquarius? Well, listener, I did not spend a lot of time talking about Saturn in Aquarius because I have an entire one and a half hour event this weekend in which we will be delving into uh, this great and rich conversation about Saturn in Aquarius. We're going to talk about building temporalities of the future. Um, I have a playlist that I'm actually going to send out to people who attend Friday morning. So get your ticket before then so that you can listen to the playlist. I'll talk about how the playlist relates to these overall themes of Saturn and Aquarius, how that will impact your chart, some of the things that I think are happening in the world, some of the things that I think the this transit is inviting us to um, embrace and embody, I think the main question that comes to my mind when I think about Saturn and Aquarius is what is our responsibility to the future, right? A lot of what we've talked about um, has been centered around like the future, future building, making sure that there's a future where we all are free, where there's a future where there are black people, where there is a future where there are queer people, where there are people of color, where there are women, where there are you know, you can fill that blank in any way that you would like to. A future where there are French fries. I don't care. Anyway, whatever whatever is important to you, right? But having this exploration of like, what does the future mean, right? Especially in relation to the Aquarius archetype and what it tells us about time um, and explorations of different ways to define time beyond linear time. Yeah. And some of the things to look forward to. Let's stop by closing this with the Chandra symbol um, that is related to our amazing, great conjunction that we are all going to be experiencing on the first. This is really, I like this one for a number of reasons. For those who don't know, I was raised in San Diego, California. Um, in fourth grade, they take you to, um, a mission, right? And for those who don't know what a mission is, it's just like, um, basically it's like a little, you know, little religious colonialism center, you know, to, you know, it, right. Anyway, I think you understand where I'm going with there, right? But that was one of the, the kind of main things. And I think, you know, when we talk about religion and like, you think about some of the things that we've talked about, about the ways that we um, socialize people, um, especially around the ways that we think like, oh, this is the way that the world needs to be like, this is it right here, right? Missions were like a result of that era of life in which we tried to make people evolve beyond being primitive, right? And adopt uh, Judeo-Christian 
Abrahamic religions to save themselves, right? So annoying and so backwards. Anyway, it's really gross and annoying that there are very beautiful structures that have been built in this world for very disgusting reasons. Anyway, that has that is neither here nor there. Aquarius one degree, an old Adobe mission in California. Keynote, the power inherent in all great human works to endure far beyond the worker's lifespans. The works and spirit of the Spanish priests who directed the building of the California missions have had a lasting influence on the development of this land. These remain as a monument to the men who were able to mark, make their mark upon this alien environment. Again, Dane Rudyard is a European white man. Okay. While the zodiacal sign Capricorn begins the, with a symbol of socio-political power, Aquarius at its start represents a more spiritualized and idealistic or creative picture of the social forces at work. Moreover, it stresses the enduring character of human achievements ensouled by a great vision. At least within the frame of reference of our Western civilization, the symbol speaks of the projection of a noble ideal into concrete forms of beauty and significance. Thus, of the radiation of a civilizing power, I just kind of talked about that, in an institution offering to primitive men the opportunity to reach a higher and more organized and productive level of activity. This is the first stage of the 61st five-fold sequence. It speaks to the concretization, concretization of an ideal. This also implies the immortalization of an individual within a great collective and cultural enterprise. When we talk about building the future and hope and ideals, they're things that have to live far beyond our physical lives, right? Or our lives within this physical body, um, which is one of the core parts of air, right? It's social, it's stories, it's griots, it's relationships, um, it's capturing moments in text, in word, in thought, in theory, in relationships, and the ways that those things can carry on beyond just one person, right? I think the thing about earth is that all physical things die, right? But when it comes to air, it's something deeply mysterious because it's both real, but you can't necessarily see it. Um, and it allows it to be immortalized. And so our views of the future um, and the future that we're building and creating, this is the moment in which we plant the seed in the ground um, to make the tree, right, that will bear the fruit of liberation to exist. It's the beginning of a very different world. Thank you so much for listening. The Capricorn season episode is going to come at the beginning of 2021 because we're doing an astrology of 2021 episode before then. 
I'm going to do a short video about this eclipse. Yes, we have one more um, that's happening on the 29th, 28th, 29th. I don't know. We'll see. And I'll post it on my Instagram for tickets to the Saturn and Aquarius event. They are in the description box. They're also in the link of my Instagram bio, which is at you woman, you, I look forward to seeing you there. If you can't make it, let me know. I'll see what I can do. Thank you. Talk to you soon.